Hello everyone and welcome to Oxide Film with Tom and Matty. Unfortunately we don't actually have Matty today, we have someone else. We could even say that Matty has taken some polyjuice potion and turned into the wonderful, wonderful Aaron. I think that sets me up with far too much anticipation exactly. to imply that I'm I mean, married basically, anyway. Basically, Matty is a cute boy with brown hair and glasses who's quite grumpy and senile. And Aaron is a cute boy with blonde hair and glasses who's quite youthful and beautiful. So it's a good transformation, that I That was say. such a wholesome introduction. I, I try very hard. Uh, it's okay, man. I, oh. I think I think it was cute to, to go for that. But, but it, basically, Matty's a bit ill and we're very sad to say that he's not around. Neither do we have Henry the Penguin, our cute mascot. So this episode is a tribute to Matty. Is Matty, this even Oxide film? Exactly. I mean, it's Oxide Film. I would just say, Matty, we love you. That's what it is. So, as per the format from last week, we're going to go into some film news of the week and then go into our review of what we saw this week and then go into a general discussion that may or may not be about Harry Potter, which is all very exciting. So, first off, we've got some big week for Disney news. Lion King live-action trailer. I know that Aaron Was greatly mad. enjoyed. Yes, I love that it a mad? lot. I'm kind of quite concerned that it's just going to be a big CGI fest, but that can be okay. It's not even the CGI fest thing that gets me. It's like the fact that it's like a, an exact carbon copy of the animated one, just like in th- in like live action, which yeah. I'm fine with. Like, I mean, are, are they just going to have like the same plot? Uh, almost certainly, yes. But it'll be yeah. much more traumatizing to watch like Paul, like yeah, all, all the death, exactly. all, like all the death in Lion King, but as like realistic looking lions. Yeah, I mean, because they've got they've got James Earl Jones back as as Mufasa, and he sounds oh, like. Yeah. He does sound a bit different, oddly, but like I, I am excited to see it. And I also saw the Dumbo trailer. Have you seen that? <gasps> yeah, okay, Dumbo it looks so adorable. But he's there's something creepy about Dumbo's eyes. I know. I mean, there is that, but he looks... I mean, I watched it about like about one last night, and it, I actually like almost started crying. Like, legitimately. <laughs> like, at, it the, was, dum- at yeah, the Dumbo yeah, trailer. Yeah, yeah, literally, love at a trailer. That. And I've never... Love that's, that like, actually not happened before. I mean, love that for myself as well. It, it's a good progression. I'm so interested, though, because, like, Disney seem to just want to only remake films that have, like, leads that need to be CGI-created. Like, yeah. Lion King like, and Dumbo. Massive prestige. And Beauty and the Beast, I And Beauty and the Beast, exactly. Extent. Yeah. Um, but Dumbo is insanely cute. It's, it's Tim Burton, so I guess that's why the, the eyes are so weird. Because he, <laughs> he so did a true. film called, like, Big Eyes, I think, which is about this, like, weird portrait maker. Which is quite a big vibe. But I think it was... It actually looked, like, really good. And I was quite surprised at how much I liked the trailer. And I yeah. just got so emotional because it's obviously the, the whole mother story as well. is really beautiful. Um, and following up from last week, we found out originally that Keanu Reeves is apparently going to voice yeah, one I of the saw. Toy Story 4 characters in, in Toy Story 4. That's going to be a big blast. I kind of hope that he plays... Is it Slinky, the dog? The Slinky dog, is that his name? You want him to, like... I want, him, I want him to play dog. like a gruff like old mature and like world weary version of the slinky dog I if he it, wasn't world weary yeah, enough I'm thinking like new toy that's like back from the 80s a proper old toy that's really damaged <laughs> and he's just really like gruff and <laughs> yeah 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 that makes <laughs> like a lot that. of sense um, so yeah big week for Disney moving on from there I think we're going to go into our review of the week which is Aaron's seen this twice I've only seen this once uh, so I'm yeah. a bit of disadvantage right here but we saw Fantastic Beasts The Crimes of Grindelwald which is the new installment in the Fantastic Beasts franchise with Eddie Redmayne as the lead. He is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just give a very quick summary of the film that I wrote down before, conveniently. So after the events of the first film, Grindelwald, who's played by Johnny Depp, has been captured but escapes imprisonment with plans for a wizarding supremacy. There's no undertones there at all. Um, <laughs> our lead, Newt Scamander, who's played by Eddie Redmayne, as I said, heads to Paris, sent by a young Albus Dumbledore, played by Jude Law, fantastic, to search for Credence, who's played by Ezra Miller, um, who was the boy obscurial sort of monster thing from the first film, who was thought to have died but survived the events of New York in the first film. 
that's a general plot line and already you can tell that there's just so many characters to keep up with and they're only the kind of like main 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 plot characters yeah they're like the returning so many exactly yeah so initial thoughts Aaron give me some give me some fun it's like I don't know I I saw it at midnight when it first came out and I obviously spent like two or three days before the movie coming out seeing like all the media nonsense like because it was slated in every like movie yeah, yeah. Blog and magazine and review site ever. Yeah. But I just I thought it was I just thought it was a lot of fun. I think I think like people, I think you need to take wizarding movies a little less seriously. Like we all fell in love with Harry <laughs> Potter for a reason, and exactly, I'm not yeah. I'm not allowing the fact that the movie is very confusing at a lot of points, and there is a lot of plot flaws that need to be resolved. But it was a hugely fun movie. Like yeah, it's so yeah. much fun to watch. Yeah, I think it's very true. And with that said, I'll just have a very quick clip of the film for you guys, just right now. Let's go for it. You've built up quite a little network of international contacts. However long you keep me and my friends under surveillance, you're not going to discover plots against you, Travers, because we want the same thing: the defeat of Grindelwald. But I warn you, your policies of suppression and violence are pushing supporters into his arms. I'm not interested in your warnings. It pains me to say it, but you are the only wizard who is his equal. I need you to fight him. I can't. That was just a little clip of the film um, oh, where we saw Jude Law. I mean, he is. I, I I think I give him too much slack because I actually I enjoyed him in the film, but I think obviously there's just the enormous prestige that the older character carries with him that it's just like a little bit difficult to to kind of take away the influence of the older Dumbledore and and just kind of accept that he's a younger man yeah. with different kind of ideals and different ideas because we've got to remember like in the books it's revealed that he works with Grindelwald as a friend and. Who knows? Perhaps as a lover, um, and I think Dumbledore coins the for the greater good like phrase. Yeah. I think at some point in like Half Blood Prince, we find yeah, out. Yeah, I think so. Um, so they obviously have a big emotional connection. So there's just loads and loads of strands in this film um, of just trying to work out what they're going to do with it. Yeah. And, and I there's think, there's yeah. so much law in the Harry Potter mm-hmm. series about Dumbledore at this point in his life after yeah. like everything's happened with Grindelwald and sort of mm-hmm. he feels like betrayed by his like close friend or lover and mm-hmm. and like. Mm-hmm. Jude Law playing that is like it's it must be such big shoes to fill. Yeah, exactly. Given yeah. there's so much background to yeah. just like act yeah. with no explanation of it. And he has to kind of like you know start developing the accent of Michael Gambon. Yeah, how do you imitate Michael Gambon's voice? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, is a great voice. Um, I think yeah, my initial thoughts chime quite a lot. Like I I saw it only once um a couple of days ago, and like I just had so much fun, and it wasn't. I think I enjoyed the first one so much more than most people seem to have i actually yeah. had a really good time like um there's actually a really really fantastic video on youtube called the fantastic masculinity of newt scamander by mm-hmm. a guy called um pop culture detective and he talks about how newt is a kind of male hero but he is a very unexpected male hero in that he's a caring figure he attempts to resolve conflict rather than quick to anger and action and we've got used to the latter kind of hero in like action fantasy and films generally mm-hmm. and it's very clear that he's not a harry potter kind of figure character because he well he's ordered into uh hufflepuff to begin with not gryffindor and i think hufflepuff generally are known to be just very wholesome caring and chill people um generally and obviously harry potter himself gryffindor 
prone to showing off, like very brave and all that stuff. We've but, not like, had it's a, a different... protagonist yeah. like similar to this. And the, the exactly. closest we had was Cedric in Goblet Fire, and then he died immediately. And he died, yeah, exactly. Whoops. And he was, and he was maybe like too much, like outside of the like initial half of Popcorn because he was also yeah, quite goblin quite quite generally. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, but that video is awesome. I really recommend you check it out. The channel is fantastic. It just has like loads of different concepts of masculinity and films and just working out how what the influences are and it's just loads of really cool stuff and i mean like this is a side point i suppose but you know it's possible that newt's character does have like uh, minor autism and that's really interesting yeah well that's something because, i've read a lot yeah about and it, it doesn't i mean it doesn't have to be true but i think it's just nice that there's that representation that doesn't kind of go really really far into it it's just like he is like a socially awkward person but that so that does not limit him whatsoever like he has all these amazing other talents which is many well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, you see the whole like the the thing about sort of Newt's uh, masculinity and Newt's mm-hmm. like male protagonists is, mm-hmm. is is very much present in the second yeah. as well. Like the, mm-hmm. the, from the very beginning, where the Ministry are like, we'll reinstate your travel if you uh, if you become an aura and sort of fight Grindelwald with them. Yeah. He's like, yeah. that's just that's not what I do. That's not me. Yeah. Exactly. Not picking like, sides. It's so brilliant. Yeah, and I do love that actually. And I mean, I think that's very true at the beginning of the film. But overall, I don't think he was utilized enough i mean if he's meant to be the protagonist oh, sure, he, yeah. he definitely wasn't the case and like the first film is much more to do with his kind of like personal relationships with his beasts in the suitcase which i just i don't know it was just so beautiful to, to and see wholesome. that it was and so wholesome. <laughs> wholesome was definitely the word and there was i think still a big kind of overtone of, of freedom and sort of bliss generally with some parts of the film but obviously it's kind of shadowed over by by the crimes of grindelwald um so i think um We'll probably avoid spoilers generally because there isn't actually that much to go into in the sort of yeah, second act generally. I mean, um, nothing huge. Exactly, yeah. Um, so we can always go into little bits of plot holes. So there's a there's a very small scene with McGonagall uh, who's apparently who's obviously in the main series, series as Minerva McGonagall, and that wasn't a word. Um, whatever. <laughs> moving on. Um, and she's alive in this, Which and it's like 1929, problem. I think. She should be like, like, she should be. A, she should a be decent not years alive by like minus <laughs> ten or Literally, twenty years. And like, yeah. Which is not only funny because she's like not a child; she's a full blown yeah. professor. Like yeah, she's exactly. not only alive yeah. by a few years, but she's, she's like thirty she's, or forty. She's got whatever. some sort yeah. of professor yeah. degree. Yeah. yeah, I think like for me, it's not a huge issue. That's the case because J.K. Rowling can put the things she wants in her movies, and like the the main criticism of this film seems to be like. A, J.K. Rowling like had too much of, like, an influence on it, and yeah. kind of wanted to pull all the strings. Um, and there was just because of that, there was just loads of, loads of stuff that she wanted to put into the film that it like worked to an extent, but it was just too much. I think. Yeah, and I think I think part of the problem is like, a lot of people are finding issue with mm. obviously this movie much more. The last one is so referential because there's like. Dumbledore yeah, is exactly. a big part yeah. of it. The Strangers yeah. are a big part of yeah. it, and like Hogwarts is in it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot where people are like, J.K. Rowling's not handling these like references yeah. intelligently. But like the McGonagall ones, the one everyone has got mad about, where like mm-hmm. in my head, mm-hmm. it's nothing more than like J.K. Rowling trying to put in some like ho- like harmless fan service where she's yeah. like, we'll put in McGonagall because everyone loves McGonagall without yeah. thinking about the fact that like yeah. McGonagall was not wasn't born yet, which is yeah. like I can live with that. Yeah, she, like she, it's she really not seven a huge books. Deal. I can let her off yeah. on the it's fact that she forgot when McGonagall was born. Yeah. And I, I think like it's I think it seems to be a bit overblown because we've seen the kind of character of someone who's made the universe and really wants to stick to the helm of things and w- with George Lucas and Star Wars yeah. when he made the prequels and I think also another criticism like f- filling in all this lore stuff um, is that the film 
it's very prequely and like very prequel that's kind of just this fills one, in with stuff more than yeah. the first one mm-hmm. feels very very prequely yeah. and like yeah. to, in a way that feels sort of uh, not unnatural but quite yeah. quite yeah. quite fast at points yeah, there, there are points where you're like the connection to Harry Potter right now like like tenuous, obviously. Like, tenuous, yeah. uh, like Nicholas Fumel is in it, yeah. which is one, which is which is which is fair because like Dumbledore mentions him as a friend. But there's just this one bit where Nicholas Fumel like goes into his safe and the Philosopher's Stone is there. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. that's an interesting yeah. kind of. Point I didn't even like notice that. No, yeah. I, didn't, he, I just completely missed it. He goes into it. his safe to yeah. get a book, and there's like a glass dome thing with the Philosopher's Stone, and you're like, I don't, Did you get that? Did you I get that? I don't know why you've done that, J.K. Rowling, because mm. like the film should stand in its own right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very true. I mean, I think with the first one, when they introduce all the characters like Jacob, Newt, and mm. um, Queenie and Tina, like I actually pretty much all around really enjoyed the characters. I'm generally not someone who really enjoys comic relief. If like if a protagonist can do it on their own, that's like that's preferable to me. But it didn't mean that Jacob's character like was wasted at all in the first one. Oh, he definitely. actually provided a lot. You know, there was obviously he's a he's a nomad or even a can't spell as as. Oh my god! I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah. I didn't notice that the first time, but Grindelwald says can't spell, and I want to know which yeah. country says that. I, I I think it might be. I have no idea. Maybe it's, maybe it's Durham's Because he's thing. from. I was gonna say because he's from like. He Somewhere. Li- he lives in like Austria, Germany. Yeah, yeah. That movie, so right. maybe it's like the German like can't. But that's that was yeah. so funny. There's that one scene. Yeah, he yeah. says he says like no magic because he, no he, he's addressing all muggle these. Yeah, and then yeah. can't spell. Yeah, which is so funny. Yeah, there's a scene later on in the film where he is basically addressing all these um, evil pure blood losers who obviously <laughs> are buying into his like wizarding supremacy. Wizards like should rule the world because they have these powers. And Grindelwald is saying like all these people are muggles. There's cat spells. <laughs> and it's just really odd that he's said like it just it just doesn't really work for I me also at all. enjoy that like um, muggle is a word in its own right. But yeah. for every other language it's like a no magic to be, yeah. no magic yeah. can't spell. It's very literal. Yeah. But the British yeah. people we have muggles. Yeah. I think I mean that was something else in the film the first film that I really, really enjoyed was basically a what it really didn't feel forced at all to me, um, when Newt's in America in New York and he's found by Tino this aura who there's some, you know, romantic bubbling going on there but like but like just it just doesn't happen in this film either it's really sad Um, like it's really shit um and i do do ship that but like there's this little references to american life and american wizarding life that's different to how british life works and and tina asks him well do you know anything about how we're meant to like work in in america and he's like oh yeah i do actually like i'm aware of your very backward laws about like marrying Mm. nomadges and all muggles and all that stuff and i just got it felt like very not unforced, it just like works, you know, worked well for me. Well, so. That's why Newt works so well as a character, mm. especially in the first one, is that like we're like new to the American and then yeah. this one, the French Wizarding World. Yeah. So having Newt as like a British character who is equally clueless gives the audience a really good way to learn about yeah. all of it. Exactly. Because like that's when people true. are saying stuff like no match, he's like, eh. Yeah. What, what's and, that? and they had to explain and it like, explain way that doesn't, doesn't feel like exposition. I feel, I feel like the issue people have with this film is the new one, is that when they had exposition, it like it felt like that instead of Newt learning things as well, um, which is unfortunate. But just things like, you yeah. know, having to explain the blood pact and like, having to explain all this massive subplot with the, the strangers, which I didn't have a huge issue with. It was just so confusing. So, like, a greater hindrance to the enjoyment of the movie um, over plot holes for me is just how many characters we, oh, as the audience, sure. have to keep tabs on. There's just a plethora of side characters with all these sort of inner workings and and credence is the sort of center point of all these things and that actually is all right to me like it seems like they're at least sort of it does seem like all the pop points eventually circle around credence or yeah um as your character 
um, enough because Grindelwald's looking to find him because he thinks that Credence can can kill Albus Dumbledore um, and Newt's trying to find him because he wants to calm him down and not, not make him the monster that he was in the first in the first film and part of the video that I mentioned earlier on is amazing um, it basically just says like the the slaying of the monster as it were in the first film is not seen as a victory it's like much more a defeat for Newt's character and it's like a failure he's like failed to save the monster in Credence yeah. and he failed to de-escalate the violence when, when uh, the aura is and there's a genuine around. line really early on when he's talking to the mm. ministry in the second one yeah. where like he, um, they're talking about credence, and he says something like, "You're talking about credence as if he's still alive," and you can mm-hmm. like the pain in Newt's voice at the idea that they've like sort of killed this innocent boy, mm. because his big conflict in the first one is that he's already seen the Obscurial like yeah. destroy one part like innocent wizard girl in I think Africa. Yes. Um, yeah. So then he's so troubled to see credence yeah. the same way as yeah. in, to see him sort of destroyed by the yeah. um, American Ministry is called Makusa. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, to see them destroy. Yeah. Creators. and he has to he has to suffer so much over the two films but what i'm very happy is that they didn't have this like this ludicrous level of like hogwarts bullying like seeing oh look newt was really sad at school that's why he turned to like loving animals they didn't really have that and that was quite yeah. good for me because well, it was it didn't go cliched in there that was way. a risk yeah because mm. the, the i think the the hogwarts like uh flashback scenes with mm-hmm. lita and mm-hmm. newt were so good like oh, they're really pretty great wholesome. they're pretty great actually, and yeah. like you said yeah. not cliched it wasn't like Newt is an outcast, so he loves animals because he doesn't love people. It was nothing. It didn't feel at any yeah. way, at any point, yeah. like dragged out or stretched or yeah. fast. It and it's, it's much more his choice than like forced on him, it's which, like, which you, is you'd, definitely you'd hate, much more important. You'd yeah. hate for such an integral part of his character to come from like bullying or yeah. like to make it like he had to do yeah. animals, like he was exactly. something he was passionate about because he wanted to be. Yeah. Which is yeah. so good for his character. That's really so great. Sense. Yeah, and I mean, there's obviously one of my favourite scenes in the franchise uh, in Harry Potter is when they're dealing with the Boggarts in oh, the third yeah. one which is really great so we'll talk about Harry Potter films later on as oh, well oh side note can we um, talk about another plot hole quickly oh sure yeah. you just reminded yeah. me with the Boggart scene yeah, yeah. so many people so the Boggart scene sort of returns in a way in this movie mm-hmm. yeah and a lot of people are criticising it because like according to the law of Harry Potter mm. which I use as like a very yeah. loose thing yeah um, D- Dumbledore was never a defence against the Dark Arts yeah, teacher that's he very was true. a I he think potions, potions, potions master, master I'd like to believe yeah. potions master which is like again, just like a lack of forethought on yeah, J.K. Yeah, Rowling's exactly. part. Which again, yeah. I can let slide, but I read mm-hmm. it on Twitter after I saw the movie at midnight, and I was like, "Oh, that's frustrating." That is a bit annoying because she's it? sort yeah, of just shame. ruined a timeline now. Mm-hmm. Like the McGonagall mm-hmm. thing was one thing, and then the double door. It's like none of the Hogwarts prequel mm-hmm. stuff makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is so sad. Yeah, um, but I thought the Boggart scene was actually really great, and like the, the Fantastic Beasts two yeah, yeah. scene was brilliant. And it's and it and it explains itself later on with um one of the leader of the Strangers character and and the um, choice that she makes that leads to a painful situation but the viewed like in in the one with Lupin and Prisoner of Azkaban like the bog, the, the kind of scary things themselves are actually really cool and obviously you get to the point where Lupin is scared of the moon so that's his like bogger after he's defending Harry from the Dementor bogger. Um but there's this like beautiful white veil thing that you that you're not meant to understand and it was finally it felt so good that like I wasn't meant to know this part of the film at that point where like what the bogger actually was um, for Leave to Strangers character and that was great because it was explained to me and that just so it was vi- visually beautiful that is like a part of the film that I can't take away from it it is gorgeous oh um, yeah the film stood absolutely stunning yeah like, the beasts alone I just worked the they're so good art. and I like think the, I think yeah. is it is the Zozu the, the, big... the Zo- I think it's a Zuwu Zuwu the big yeah. the big uh, Chinese like kind of, tiger yeah thing the tiger is, with the massive tail yeah, yeah. with the weird rhythm yeah. tail is yeah absolutely it was insanely cool it's yeah so beautiful. yeah i think 
um, it's a shame that it feels like they're using the title as like a kind of calling card because it they do have some fantastic pieces like there's a kelpie as well which is a kind of um, underwater like yeah, algae creature like scene, and yeah. it's really really cool and wasn't utilised and it's okay because like it was going to be very forced if they made it like part of the finale whatever of the film it was just it just felt like the beasts weren't in in the film enough because that was the best part of it for me. Yeah, and um, like you can see yeah. that even from a writing perspective, JK yeah. is kind of worried about it strangely for fantastic yeah. which is yeah. why like Niffler helps yeah. solve the yeah, mystery yeah. and the zoo, uh, the zoo uh, helps them get out the yeah. mystery in that yeah. one scene. Well, so she mystery, tries yeah. to resolve the plot with beasts at a lot of points, yeah. but it's no longer a story about Newt writing yeah, Fantastic Beasts exactly. when you find them like yeah. the first one was. So yeah. it's inherently not connected yeah, to the yeah. Fantastic Beasts story. It was just much more eye candy. And I, I I, remember sitting in cinema and really just having a great time watching the scenes with the zoo. It oh, was just, yeah. just insanely beautiful. When the carnival gets all messed up earlier and in the like film. And he like jumps out. Um, yeah. And it was just, yeah, it felt like a pity. And that not just the zoo, like enough. a lot of the beasts in the film that we've not seen before. Um, Nagini as... Yes, I didn't realize that that was her name. I don't, I don't, I don't remember like her name being called out. Um, but basically, there's, there's a girl who's part of this carnival show that that um, Credence, the character played by Ezra Miller, um, has like basically attached himself to in France as like just a waiter, because um, he's basically trying to find his family, uh, and that's like a big plot point of him is his identity and working out who he himself is. Yeah. Because he was adopted and abused in, when he was in America by by no managers basically um so he's found this girl that seems quite nice but she's a manedictus she's like a kind of a cursed omen which is another plot thing that jk rowling has yeah. never mentioned before but i mean also so there's this girl can turn into a snake and it kind of that meant to transpire that like she is nagini from the, snake, from the high series. series she stands around with credence in like four scenes and just looks pretty and that's pretty much I, all that she does well, this is what i was talking about with, with yeah. nagini is like um i believe one i believe wholeheartedly that there's a chance jk rowling had that in mind the whole yeah, time and yeah. believe nagini was a woman who had a blood curse whatever but the two problems with nagini in this movie were number one is like yeah the explanation of what a maledictus was mm-hmm. so a maledictus they explain is like a, a female it has to be female mm. who has a blood curse who which means that over time she becomes an animal and eventually yeah. can't turn back so yeah. nagini we see her in this movie at the point in her life when she can optionally switch to and from mm-hmm. a snake yeah exactly but the idea is that as she grows up she then becomes Nagini and can't get out of it which is mm. Nagini we then see in Harry Potter yeah. but the problem mm. with that that we didn't know that mm-hmm. is that there's a lot of exposition when they're like and Maledictus when she's at the circus and yeah. the circus sort of the ringleader has to a explain Maledictus yeah, yeah has to explain exactly what Maledictus yeah. is because yeah. the audience has no clue and then the other issue with her is like you said she's like a standing looking pretty character with yeah. very little depth yeah, yeah, which yeah. is so sad because yeah, yeah. it could be such a good ex- like such mm. a good excuse to introduce a really good new character like mm. Lita Lestrange yeah. is brilliant I thought she was good I mean um, I would just say one note about the exposition there was too much in the film the funny thing about the circus Definitely. thing is that like I think that was actually an okay platform to go for it because there is that one illusion of like the circus guy is explaining to his audience in the film what he's showing them. Oh yeah, of all the exposition show. in the movie, yeah. that specific one doesn't feel that strange. Yeah, 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 like there was okay. worse exposition. Yeah, in yeah, the movie. totally, totally. Um, but I mean, performance-wise, pretty strong. Like depth does really well. I think people were quite afraid after they found out that he was in the first film, um, like as Grindelwald, but he was like only at the very end. It was it like Johnny Depp because like he's turned from Colin Farrell, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. Like people were scared that he would be very Johnny Depp-y and like just over hammer and be really weird yeah but he was actually i thought it was pretty good and i like, thought like because grind up the whole point of grindelwald is that he was supposed to be like the pre-voldemort Voldemort, yeah, yeah and i didn't know how much i would buy johnny depp as being like this terrifying 
sort of mm. wizard, essentially like Nazi mm. political leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was terrifying. Like yeah, he does yeah. such a good job. I mean, like people, movie. people were saying. I don't quite agree with people when they say like there were no crimes to merit like the title. The of title, the film. Yeah. Like there were some really just grim scenes there's that one, there's scene. that one when he, go, he basically finds a nice house to stay in in france because he likes it and he goes <laughs> in there and has like the muggles that live there killed and he find that there's one room where he he hears a child crying yeah. and he's like okay and then he goes into the room and he looks at the child for like a full-on like 10 it's seconds creepy. and then just like leaves the room and, and his father just knows what to do and it's just so awful and, and, and that, that was really honestly such, quite grim and to such me. A, it's such a dark scene it's yeah. such a harrowing scene but also in terms of parallels to Voldemort because that's what they're trying to do is make you think of the two alongside mm-hmm. each other mm-hmm. Voldemort couldn't kill a baby that's how the whole series started mm-hmm. so to have Grindelwald so carelessly kill a baby was like yeah okay this is exactly but, but also like he basically just has his followers do every, all the work for I don't him. think does he do any murder or killing himself I don't think he does he basically at the end he has that kind of that fire that he makes fire like thing, that's yeah. that's pretty much it I mean he has the the kind of opening sequence when, when he's escaping on the chariot it's such a good scene it's a really, really cool such scene a, I, I, I didn't no quite idea, know what I, was going on yeah, was in say, the scene but... no idea what was going on in that scene literally could not describe to you how he got out of what he was in yeah. but a brilliant escape <laughs> yeah, scene yeah, nonetheless yeah, and it was um, yeah it was brilliant so so I do I do think the performances are quite strong like I said earlier with Jude Law like I was sad i think he did a really good job but i was sad that for myself there was always going to be the, the shadowing of like his older character and he was going to become always going to be part of like that series and the fantastic beasts as a spin-off might never kind of grow out of its own shadow of like this is preparing for stuff mm-hmm. like the prequels of star wars which is why i think it's a good parallel um yeah i think like you say i don't mind jk rowling putting in characters in like her franchise that she wants mm-hmm. to like look at us for now he's like a kind of a goofy character and he's quite funny and I initially like, yeah. initially I thought in the film like why is are they making him like a non-serious annoying character who's just like there for funny and fan service but then I thought about it like I, I kind of checked myself and I was like well doesn't matter like actually people who are meant to have like this kind of ancient prestige and stuff it's kind of it's actually quite a good move to make them more human and sort of light-hearted as I think he is in the Well, film. exactly, because they, they she could have written it an entirely different way and have Nicholas Lamella mm-hmm. as like a scary academic yeah. hundreds of years Fearsome old. Fearsome boy, yeah. But instead he's yeah. like this really sweet old man that like when Jacob shakes his hand it like hurts. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so exactly. cute. Yeah, and yeah. then he comes in at the end and like I don't, I'm not sure how much I think Nicholas Lamella's like presence in the ending is important. Yeah, but I did that. In, that that I one scene I thought was service. was like very corny. Okay, like, very, I, I they, agree. They had so to like much. stick their ones in the ground right. as this like Finny Saint and Cantantum thing. They're trying to like, like keep a <laughs> evil magic blue yeah. fire spell contained so it doesn't destroy Paris, yeah. and they have to. They all. It Nicholas Smell instructs them all to just shove all their ones <laughs> in the ground and create a circle of <laughs> hope. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it feels a so corny yeah. that is definitely and, and also you're lame. like wait what are the rules of this magic yeah. what does that mean yeah i mean <laughs> that was another issue that i had with the film where like i mean this is like kind of a facile thing to say but the, the rules seem like that there are no rules anymore they're just kind of casting spells there are some very broken spells that oh, like they yeah. use there's a scene where um newt's character basically casts this like golden spell <gasps> to yeah. work out where people were in the circus before it like or the carnival place before it all blew up and everything and he's looking for tina and this other guy um and basically like he gets his niffler to like work out where everyone was and he has this feather that lets him like find this person it's just insane he he drops this gold dust and all the footprints appear and then niffler's like sniffing around them because they're made of gold so niffler wants to see to find tina and then 
the guy who Tina's with, the feather from the guy's hat appears as like a magical yeah, feather I that know, guides really. them. Yeah. Stuff like that, I'm like, There's okay, very, I have no idea how this Lots of MacGuffins in the movie. I but think, there are yeah. also some really good callbacks and reuses of magic we know and love. So like the Parky yeah. to get to Paris. The Parky was really like good, yeah. illegally get out of the country yeah. to Paris because Newt's banned from travelling. Yeah. Um, that was funny to mention. That's, that's yeah. all like magic we know and love brought back, which I really yeah. enjoyed. But so, yeah, some spells that yeah. were introduced for the first time. I mean, like the big blue fire dragon. What that was, was that just about? a bit odd, yeah. And I think kind of closing thoughts of the film. We both agree mainly, like we enjoyed it. I do honestly get the criticisms that it's overloaded. It is completely overloaded. Way too many 100%. characters. Way too many people that don't do anything and just are there to confuse me. Because I was when the film ended, I knew that I enjoyed it, but I was extremely confused. You come out of it was because you hope that <clears throat> the point of a, the fact that it's this big prequel series is you yeah. hope it's going to start answering questions from the original series, mm-hmm. but you definitely come out of it with more questions than you went in. That's very 100%. much true, and obviously they're setting up for like more films in the franchise. I think they want to make five. Yeah, so there's like, going to be five, like, total, three, more. three more. Yeah, um, and this is yeah. this is like this is why my closing thoughts are like. I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was so mm. much fun. And like, mm. especially as a Harry Potter fan, you get all these scenes in Hogwarts. Exactly. And like, the fan yeah. service is really gratifying as a fan. But as a film alone, I thought it was good. I yeah. thought it was really good. Very confusing. And yeah. I'm trusting that she has three more movies to tie up the things that she's doing. Yeah, Cause very much. Even very much, besides yeah. the plot holes about like Dumbledore um, being a like professor of dark arts yeah, and yeah, McGonagall yeah. existing, yeah. those plot holes I can forgive. But there are tenuous plot points that she has three movies to yeah. resolve before I lose the, there, there are things that are brought into the film that like do mess up a lot of what I we mean, know about they could just be lies migrant like trying to kind of deceive creatures yeah because I mean um, if you, I was going to say yeah if you've seen the movie you know which bit we're talking about yeah like, yeah the basically, that, like, basically the very end like there's a lie that Grindelwald tells him that might well, be true a lie, but yeah, exactly sure. and like this yeah. is the thing that people are most annoyed about but I I, I trust J.K. Rowling enough mm-hmm. but also like Maybe that makes me fickle, but I trust J.K. Yeah. Rowling. Yeah, and yeah. I know that she has three movies to yeah. do whatever she's going to do now. And she's built a universe, so I think that's that's the trust. She clearly knows what she's yeah. doing because the first yeah. seven books are so yeah. well done that yeah. like, I yeah. do trust you. Okay, right. So I think moving on from there, basically Aaron is a complete Harry Potter nut and yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I was thinking last night, actually, I have a lot of nostalgia for the series. We used to put on the audiobooks literally all the time in the Such car on like drives Stephen to school Fry. Stephen Fry does a great job and the films we used to watch like half of a film like so many nights and we just like having a family dinner it was actually really cute so and cute. so I've seen them lots of times yes um, I, I haven't I haven't seen like the last one very many times but like Chamber of Secrets is, is a staple of my two, life like the end of the yeah, end yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that it would be quite a nice idea to get some listener participation so I, I basically um, sent out some questions to some people and they came back to me about um, their answers so i asked people generally one what is your favorite harry potter film and why two what would you do to improve the ones you don't like in the franchise and three if you want to general comments about the franchise and why you think it's so successful um so as a tribute to matty who's not here i think um we'll go for his thoughts first get well soon matty so he matty says his favorite film uh, is goblet of fire um all the movies have their merits but the third one um, Azkaban saw a shift in the directorial vision from that of Christopher Columbus's woolly, almost voyeuristic fantasy um, of the first two films to that of a more cinematic, darkened imprint that Alfonso Cuaron would leave going into the fourth one. Uh, Matty never felt like much happened outside Hogwarts in the first two movies, which is very true. Yes. How much he enjoyed them. Um, but then Goblet of Fire brings in the Triwizard of Tournament, um, Durmstrang, and what's the other school? Robotron. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Big fan, big fan, yeah. Um, (laughs) No hesitation. Exactly. And then Daniel Radcliffe's Harry was less of this cutesy, doe-eyed looker on and felt more realised. 
and then some of the manufactured tension with Ron, Hermione and Harry was a load of guff, says Matty, um, uh. but to be expected as they develop into archetypal angsty teens. Um, but whenever someone suggests a Harry Potter film, he always thinks of Goblet of Fire, um, and especially the consequences he feels are much more real in that one. Um, that's awesome, actually. I mean, I, I think I agree mainly. And then regarding plot points... Plot points? That's a lovely spin. <laughs> Spooner isn't there. Plot points. Um, Mandy says, I'm sure Aaron will come up with better plot tweaks, which is probably very true, <laughs> to improve both character and narrative developments than myself. But he thinks that after reading The Order of the Phoenix, he thinks that the um, the mirror shard that Harry uses to communicate with Sirius mm-hmm. should be used more in the films. Basically, just not used that much in the films, I don't think, apart from yeah. like the last one, which is unfortunately. So thank you so much, Matty. Um, Love you, mate. Heart react. Um, I think that's some interesting points. Um, what do you think about Goblet of Fire, actually? Oh, Goblet of Fire is easily the fan favourite. It's like, mm-hmm. Goblet of Fire is not my favourite of the films, but mm-hmm. Goblet of Fire is completely brilliant. And like Mai said, one of the like reasons I think it's so brilliant and the Matty touched mm-hmm. on is like, the idea it's the first film with proper consequence. Like, yeah. it is the, I think I can say almost certainly, but I don't want to be wrong. I think it's the first, it is the first one where someone dies. That sounds like, right. Like, it starts yeah. with the death of that muggle yeah. character. Yeah. Oh, like that's true. Yeah, yeah. Guy. And, it and is then it scary, ends with Cedric's yeah. death, which literally is like having your heart ripped out and stomped on. Mm-hmm. So it's the first yeah. film that feels like, oh, no, like, there's actual danger now. Yeah. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not some kids messing about, especially yeah. since Prisoner of Azkaban, which I also do think has its merits. Mm-hmm. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban doesn't have, it's the only one that doesn't have Voldemort in in any way. That's very true. So, yeah. so there's a lingering threat, but it's not Well, you've gone from Prisoner of Azkaban, which kind of felt not... Not without its uh, threats, mm, but sure, sure, compared sure. to Goblet of Fire, it seems mm. completely... It's much more present, obviously, with the oh, scene with the resurrection is just really horrible. Terrifying. Like, it's quite, it pushes like, the 12, you know... Voldemort's crazy. rebirth, I remember mm. as a child watching it, with, uh, it's just absolutely it terrifying. Really is, yeah. he, he does such a good job, but yeah. it's so scary. Yeah. And, I mean, and, his, and his first like, few breaths, like just kind of breathing in the air, Ray yeah. Fiennes, with the sort of no-nose kind of thing. Um, <laughs> interesting, okay, I'll move on to, to Megan. So Megan says um, she thinks that Half-Blood Prince is, is really underrated because she thinks that complexity of Snape's character with Anna Rickman is so well done, um, which we can talk about in a bit. She likes um, number seven a bit less um, just because she thinks they're so plot-driven and the walking around in the woods is like takes up a lot of time, which I do agree with, actually. And then uh, she says she thinks the two films, they needed two films to accommodate the material, and that's true. But <laughs> her main beef with the film is caps lock. Ginny, why is she so dull? Which is very true. It's uh, a difficult character to kind of like, to relate with. And she's only defined in relation to Harry. Similar issue in Chamber of Secrets where she's very damsel and distress-like. Yeah. Well, I agree with, so I agree with the point. Half of the Prince is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Half of the Prince is brilliant. Yeah, number six is great. Um, mm-hmm. Number seven, like Death Hell's Part 1, is so slow. Because it's all built up for Part 2. <laughs> lots of walking, lots so of I, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I, I understand that it needed two movies to tell the story. Though I would argue Order of the Phoenix needed two movies mm-hmm. and didn't get them. Um, That's, they missed out so much that Phoenix, I really wanted Order to see. the Phoenix has yeah. so much content. It's anyway. also the biggest book, isn't it? I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's the biggest book. Yeah. Um, but onto the Ginny point. Yeah. If, if you've if anyone has like read the Harry Potter book series, you know that Ginny is the most endearing and like cool badass character. And quite kind of ever. spicy. Sort of, yeah, yeah, she can hold her own. <laughs> like she's she's not for the whole of the Harry Potter series from Chamber of Secrets onwards. She mm. feels like I a a damsel in stress, but be one of those like semi-mute love interest that only says things to sort of mm. facilitate the mm. romantic help, like desires of the protagonist like 
there's that there's so many weird cringy scenes with her and Harry like is it what is it does <laughs> in she, the whole does, franchise does she yeah. like zip up yeah. her dress or something and oh, boss. Have, oh and that sounds right yeah. and it's so like it's awful to watch you're like yeah. uh, it just makes yeah. you shiver yeah. oh book Ginny would <laughs> book Ginny would never yeah. she would never <laughs> very true yeah um, and Megan also says a very minor detail Harry Potter writes in scarlet ink in the books and as a stationary nerd, it really bothers her that he doesn't in the film, which is like a good vibe to be honest. So it's quite much. funny. I, I, I always forgot that he does that. It's quite, you know, Scarlet mm. Ink, that's quite that's quite. It's edgy. a good character choice, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it's interesting. So moving on from there, um, Ems says her favourite film is, is Prisoner of Azkaban. And I, yes. I'll get to mine because I, I do really like it. Um, she thinks the time tenor sequences work so well with, with Hermione. That, that is a development for her with her kind of whole work thing, but also it does give her intelligence a new kind of space to shine where she's forced out of her comfort zone she has to help harry and ron work out what they're going to do to save buckbeak and by extension Sirius in yeah. the kind of fight in the finale of the film i suppose um also harry riding buckbeak over the lake to the school by john williams is pretty sublime says ems i agree i've, I've told aaron a couple of times i just adore that scene i think it's fantastic. i mean as a family my, my dad loves it as well and my sister loves it it's just the the music is possibly like the one of the biggest highlights in the entire franchise. It's one of the first things you think of when you think about Harry Potter is yeah. that scene of him yeah. on book beat with the music yeah. as he like flies over the planet. Yeah. Like, and ridiculous. for anything that you so, want to say about so Harry good. and Daniel Radcliffe, he can do a good throaty woo um, which he yeah. does in that scene. Say what you will about um, his acting for the first few movies. But he, but that, he, that, yeah, obviously definitely. having so much fun with that and like I really appreciate seeing that as well. And apparently um, Honeydukes was like good use of a Scottish location. I'm not sure if that's the case but that's what that's what M says. The Honeydukes like scene where they're in like the town yep. apparently it's like a Scottish town that's kind of cool did not know I didn't know that's kind of cool Fair. Um, so on a kind of similar note Toby says that his favourite is also Azkaban but is closely followed by Harper Prince which mm-hmm. I think are both choices he says I-, I didn't know this apparently Azkaban was originally going to be directed by David Lynch oh. and he is quite bananas I've, I've seen Eraserhead which is his first movie I think it's the scariest film I've ever seen like it's not it's, really? not it's not like a horror film it's just psychologically so disturbing and it's I mean it's about like unwanted pregnancy and it's just so horrible oh. everything part of it is just so grim I recommend that it. Harry Potter movie I really recommend that movie that um, I remember like watching in the cinema with Aaron we um, managed to get some free like Sour Patch Kids there's like there's like yeah. sour sweets um, just like because the person behind the counter was like really nice to us basically um but on a similar note, I remember watching a Razorhead on my own, like on my laptop, and just like downing an entire packet of those. So I felt like <laughs> mildly physically ill while also watching a very difficult film to watch. So David Lynch, he has made some, yeah, Blue Velvet as well. He did yeah. uh, a while ago, like really disturbing films, very stylistic, and like it's hard to pin down what they are genre-wise. And the acting is also odd. So that would have been a very interesting film to see. Uh, as it is, like, Alfonso Cuarón, I think, did a really great job. I think he's a great um, His big other film is Gravity. He wrote he wrote um, Children of Men. So he's, yeah. he's done some really good um, work as well. So that would have been an interesting film. So um, the last two uh, participations we'll, we'll do are um, Karina says her favourite film is Order of the Phoenix, which I think is actually an interesting that's, choice. That's I do really like so many parts of it. I'll get into why I think... Um, they missed out important parts of the book, I suppose. Um, and her and her improvement for the kind of general franchise would be not kill Cedric Diggory in the fourth one. Interesting. And I think I agree because of the fact that it's not in the in the films. There's so much less of an impact of it. Like it's really sad and shocking. And actually, like the father's grief is so horrible to oh, watch when on, he's on the screen. Over yeah, yeah, it's, it's so horrible. It, and it, that works really well. But I remember seeing like a video originally about how like. Harry is not given like enough credit in the fifth book slash film for like 
having seen a friend of his die right in front of his eyes. Oh, and like that's tr- you know he literally has PTSD. Uh, yeah, and I was gonna like, say no. Forget forget seeing a friend of his die, which he did see. He also yeah. saw the person that killed his parents get reborn. Yeah. Like that's quite. Harry is clearly struggling with some deep trauma exactly. in that next yeah. movie. Yeah, and like I think that, <laughs> everyone's just like you're lying. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I, I think the reason why Karina like um would give that as an option not to kill like, is because it doesn't work so well in the franchise because it's not it's not explored enough in terms of what it does the grief and if like if the grief were bigger part of it it's, and they talked about it more than it's ironic to some extent because like Cedric dies when Voldemort yeah. says that horrible line and he's like kill the spare and I remember reading that in the book kill for the first the time and just being like horrified yeah, but yeah. it's ironic because maybe J.K. Rowling did the same thing and just sort of killed the spare and didn't think about it because he was just like a spare character she wrote in like it's really sad Cedric yeah. deserved better he yeah yeah and I, even oh my god even Cho Chang who should care about his death in the next movie kisses Harry in front of a moving picture of Cedric that's in, true in yeah, the room of requirement yeah. it, it's, it's very high like, school but like you're like mixture, does anyone yeah. care about Cedric's mm. death is anyone still yeah, caring yeah yeah there's a very big weird mix of Order of the Phoenix like I mean not so much fan service but just like we're just shipping stuff with like Cho Chang and Harry um, and yeah again moving past the Cedric stuff um, so final person Izzy says that her favourite film was Half-Blood Prince. I think that's quite a kind of common occurrence of like in the middle of the franchise is the kind of Well, that's where bits. it got good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and her improvement would be to give more background to Voldemort in the films. Um, I think, yeah. I think, yeah, because there are some, I think, am I right in saying that the pensive or pensive, however pretentiously you want to pronounce it, <laughs> um, that, that Dumbledore and Harry use in Half-Blood Prince to like delve into people's memories and work out things about Voldemort. Yep. Is that in Half-Blood Prince? Uh, they um, use it in a lot of them. They, don't they them. use it in, don't they use it in, Prisoner of, Asp- in Prisoner of Azkaban? Oh, that's, well. how he, that's how he sees Barty Crouch in yeah. his trial. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, I th- am I right in saying that in the books there are many more sequences where Dumbledore and Harry are like going into memories about Voldemort and working out what it's happened. used a lot more, and, yeah. yeah. And you know a lot more about yeah. Voldemort's yeah. sort of sure. uprising. So I think I agree in that they could have used more material in the books for that. Um, I'm not sure what else. I mean, like it'll be really interesting to see some like school life of his. That might be a bit too like cringy, I suppose. What of Tom like, Riddle? Yeah, yeah. Because the, like, most he, you, the, the most the guy that he see, kills a rabbit and all that stuff. You mo- the most you see in the movie, you see the bit mm. where he's like. In Chamber of Secrets, where he uh, is fr- frames Hagrid yeah. for yeah. having a beast yeah, yeah, yeah. in the school. Yeah. And also um, him in the like orphanage when Dumbledore goes to see him. Yeah. And like the wardrobe yeah. sets on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's most right. you see of like, yeah. sort of And that was a really childhood. cool Really, well. really good scene. Yeah. But that's the most you see of Tom Riddle's childhood, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Izzy just generally likes the films when they get darker. So... Um, everyone, Mood. thank you so much for giving um, contributions. I think they're all like, really valuable, and I think I'm glad it, no one it, it's quite said something horrible or sure. that I would disagree with. Yeah, <laughs> Harry Potter sucks, dude. They're like, Grow I up. really like Chamber of Secrets. Oh, sorry, that's a contentious opinion. I don't like Chamber of Secrets. I mean, okay, this is so sad because I'll have to come up right now. It's not my favourite. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really ask like you it. to leave the studio. I really right like now. it though. No, I like it too. It's got like, this massive nostalgia kick for me. Watching my it, two, I uh, okay, Chamber of Secrets isn't. Yeah, okay. it's not very good, but, but I my, still like it. In my head, like the two, I would the two that if they could, if I could afford to cancel. lose two movies, <laughs> I would cancel. Yeah, cancelled would be um, Chamber of Secrets yeah. and Death Hallows Part One because Death Hallows Part mm-hmm. One is so slow. There's a lot of filler. and you yeah. you like feel like you're building up to something, and then the movie ends before the action yeah, starts yeah, and you're like there's yeah. no satisfaction and yeah, then yeah. Chamber of Secrets just like it feels like the weird middle ground between Philosopher's Stone which is the most wholesome sweet childhood mm-hmm. story that makes you so nostalgic yeah. and Prince of Azkaban which is so dark yeah. it feels like the weird middle ground that tries to do both and I don't, I'm just not sure it does I guess that's the case I mean there's that dark stuff about like how you know Jenny's using like chicken's blood to like write on the walls yeah and, and, and on the basilisk is terrifying it is scary and like I mean generally like 
I don't know if I, I found this out like quite recently from a friend. There's a thing called haptic cinema, which is basically to do with it comes from the haptor from Greek meaning I touch. And like I think it's basically to do with like getting mild synesthesia when you watch things. So I remember way back, like when I was maybe three or four, watching Lion King or five or six, whatever. Mm-hmm. Lion King. The kind of when he like smears uh yeah, head yeah, with the coconut I juice get or whatever that it is. Like, it's like that red sort of yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And when I watched that when I was much younger, like I like felt these textures when I was watching the film. Right. And I think that's what Happy Cinema is. And I get it a little bit when I watch uh, Chamber of Secrets when he like stabs the diary. That's that's so cool. I love I, just, oh, I love yeah, that so much. Sure. It's just like a obviously it's like a very just kind of general like action and this, scene. And this thing, is the but... thing is like when I say I don't like Chamber of Secrets, it's like yeah. Don't like is such a strong term for the fact yeah. that it's it's a, it's an eight movie franchise. That yeah. I, I love every movie individually. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. that that is my like the least loved. Like I still love all my children, but that's the one that I like didn't take to dinner that one time. I like wouldn't take on holiday. <laughs> so you got eight kids. Yeah, I got eight kids. Impressive stuff. I wouldn't take two of them. I wouldn't take on holiday. But then my favorite <laughs> is Order of the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Favorite film is yeah. Order of the Phoenix. I think Why Order do you think th- that? What, what what in the film is as it's a film podcast? That's I think Order of the Phoenix film. is the most character driven because mm-hmm. like. The first one is all about so, which mm-hmm. is the philosopher sounds beautiful. Yeah, like, yeah. We've already talked about Chamber of Secrets, we'll leave yeah. her behind. <laughs> Prisoner of Azkaban is sort of the establishment of the big sure. dark. Goblet sure. of Fire is the action film. Yeah. Everything Very is action. Much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's dragons, dragons and, and mermaids and, and yeah. 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 Um, Order of the Phoenix is the first one where it feels like everything is being driven by characters' intentions. Very true. So, and Umbridge obviously is a massive part of the film. Oh, don't so. get me sad on Umbridge. Love. <laughs> do you ever see that viral Love tweet that was like, do you ever see that viral tweet that was like, I just wanted Voldemort to get caught and stuff. I wanted Umbridge to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> fully. You're like, mm-hmm. you're like, like, Voldemort, what a bad guy, but then Umbridge, oof. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in the, in the book, she is insanely dark. Oh, like, yeah. th- there's obviously torrents well, even, of abuse no, that she even, gives even, Harry even in, even in the movie, isn't mm. there a point where she's going to use Imperius or Crucio to make a kid confess something, even in the movie? It's so dark. It's mm. Crucio, yeah. She like, threatens to use yeah. Crucio on one of the students mm. um, to try and make them confess to about Dumbledore's army. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I mean, even like That's the, the I must yeah. not tell lies thing yeah. is horrifying. Yeah. Like, it's outright. Is it on his like, hand? Yeah, it's on his, his arm. Hand. On his arm. Oh, I don't know. It's on his arm in the book. I think it's on yeah. his hand in the yeah, book. Yeah, okay. Because um, obviously, I mean, like, yeah, I think she is a very memorable character. Everyone knows about Umbridge, who knows about the franchise. And. I just kind of I didn't think I thought that much about her before. I'm just thinking about it now. Obviously, it's so grim. But like now, in this extra context of well, n- having had more life experience and all that stuff, just like knowing how people relate to each other and seeing how much more grim. You know, she's not really. She is like she's not really that cartoony in that she. There's nothing qualifiably good about her really. But there is this massive mix of the cutesy like cats that she, and like the kind and of the plates and she has yeah. and the pink that she has in her room and this just awful demented woman. really demented and isn't she in Deathly Hallows where she's like part of this trial where she's like trying some people in the ministry is that her? I think like yeah. they, they get some Polyjuice potion as as Matty did to turn into Aaron today um, ah yes that is me exactly, yeah, yeah, that's very true he hasn't got tonsillitis it's just still a big lie um, <laughs> and I mean that's like a big contentious thing I think in the films they keep their own voices so that's like the one thing they can like identify with but I think in the books they're like everything changes doesn't it? Yeah, well, in the film, even it's different. There's, mm-hmm. I, I had this thought the other day. Who uses polish? Oh, in um, um, back in the original series, sorry, yeah. Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire, yeah, yeah. Goblet of Fire. Barry Crouch Jr. uses Polyjuice to be Malachi and yeah. has his voice has the his whole voice. film. Yeah. But when they use it to become Crab and Goyle yeah. in Chamber of Secrets, mm-hmm. they have, they their, have own their own voices. voices yeah. And yeah. that's fine, yeah, but yeah, minor and Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting. I mean, all of the Phoenix, like with the book, is obviously so long, and there's much more emotional impact and connection with Sirius um, than in the film because this is the issue I have yeah. with the film it's like yeah. Sirius's death in the book mm-hmm. hurts mm-hmm. like you, you take that as a personal blow mm-hmm. 
in the movie, you do care about Sirius, but like yeah. you care about him a lot in Prince of Azkaban mm. and your care for him just sort of fades because yeah. you don't see him that much. Yeah. Whereas in Art of the Phoenix, in the book, he's there. He's like very present. Like yeah. his, his character is very important. Yeah. I mean, I think Megan mentioned this earlier to me as well, but like the casting is just so fantastic for everything. I mean, like it, whether it was just like insane intuition on the part of um, the casting people for the very beginning of, of, the, of the films. Anna Rickman, Snape. So good. Yeah, like, he's just I'm, he's just I'm, amazing. I'm, I'm one of these people. I still hate Snape. I don't think Snape gets a redemption that really. But mm. Alan Rickman. In the, like Snape. his love is like too obsessive, and it's actually like not. It's not. Something I don't that care how much him. you love someone. I don't think it's an excuse to abuse their child for like yeah. eight years. But um, <laughs> yeah. regardless of that, Alan Rickman is the Snape. Yeah. Like I, you would never have done better. I saw I saw Cursed Child on the West End, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and every other character was playing and every other returning character yeah. was playing it like not the movie but yeah. they've got an actor that was just to be like being Alan Rickman yeah. which I get that's a, that's because you can't do Snape any other way but yeah. like I mean I think in the books like he's, he's much more like kind of like a but what's the word like kind of evil crony guy well, at the beginning if you've seen, like, you've seen J.K. Rowling's original illustration of him he looks like a vampire yeah yeah, yeah, like very sort of scrawny, lanky. Dark. I think we've got like the first edition uh, picture of like Philosopher's Stone, not the first yeah. edition, but that's worth like ten thousand pounds or something ridiculous. Wish. But it's like when on the back of the book they describe the plot just wrong. It's just flat out wrong. It's How's literally it? just wrong. It's saying like um, Harry is like whisked away to a magical school where like Dumbledore needs his help to like do something. Oh and yeah, it's just like I, not yeah, the I case. Stuff, yeah. um, which is quite funny. Um, but I think yeah, it's just. I mean, we can always just talk about for a very short amount of time about like. Why do you think the franchise is actually successful as it is? I think, um, so I think it serves... I, I, I think about this a lot. And like, yeah, yeah. I, I think it basically at the time it came out, it served yeah. a massive purpose mm-hmm. for readers and then like film goers. Yeah, In true. that like, children's fiction mm-hmm. and escapist fiction were always mm-hmm. very separate in that like, yeah. escapist fiction being stuff like Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Where you feel like you can read it and go into the world. Yeah. There was no way for kids to do that really with like proper kids' books. Yeah. Sure. And sure. Harry Potter felt like this way for children to read a book mm. that took them somewhere completely magical. Yeah, and yeah. then, and this is the other thing that Jacob Rowling always says about like why the book succeeded. Yeah. Is that it's not. So a lot of the things has Middle Earth. Yeah. It's sure. not Middle Earth. Yeah. It's extensions of the real world. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't feel so far and away. And real people possible. exist in the world as much Exactly. Right. And it yeah. doesn't feel yeah. like so far away that it couldn't be real. It feels yeah. just. It's there. We just can't see it. Yeah. And that's I mean, really... obviously, so much for us as British guys, like that's so much more located in in our own like personas. As uh, you know, it's so exactly. much. Basically, the entire series is in Britain. We have tiny snippets of like you know the Irish is an Albanian like Quidditch game in in yeah. Goblet of Fire. Like we have that kind of the, the world wizarding no, stuff, it's, uh, and, yeah, and yeah. it's nice to have those snippets. And I think it's. To, to have a franchise that like hints at a bigger world but doesn't delve too much into it is always, is always really important because it has to keep people invested but you have to like keep things unrevealed because yeah. you have to have some imagination of people and it's, it's an interesting like collation of of in the films obviously you've got like much more of a lockdown on what things are meant to look like and be visualized and i'm not someone who has a huge issue like i just think that um different media are different for reason as in books versus film versus tv versus art whatever it is yep. like the books are one thing the films are a different thing and i think my my sisters get like quite mad when something in the book is is like different, different. in the film and i just think you know you can't translate everything about a book into a, into and, a movie and you so and you shouldn't try to yeah exactly like and, a yeah. because i mean obviously me as one of the fans that would many fans would happily watch <laughs> yeah. a good eight hour version of mm-hmm. Art of the phoenix i would happily yeah. sit down and enjoy yeah. that but 
you have to appreciate that like a film is a much harder storytelling medium. I'm mm-hmm. very not even harder, just different. And, that's and the fine. process of creating a film is, is a is a vastly different. Vast, I mean, obviously, like over the next series of Oxide Film, like next time we'll talk about so many more things about filmmaking and why it's so special to me personally because there's just so many working cogs going exactly. on. Exactly, and like um, yeah, and with the all the integral things about Harry Potter. Like, you cut plot points, so you have stuff like... The plot points I really love that never were in the movies, like Winky the Elf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, such yeah. a cute There's plot. a very cute scene. Um, and the kind of liberation of the elves. Yeah. With, like, Hermione's, like, S-A-W thing. Hermione the elves and they all go, but we yeah. don't want to be yeah. free. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, like, stuff like that is so cute, but yeah. removing it doesn't change the integral point yeah. of Harry Potter. Totally, it doesn't feel totally. like you've yeah. lost it. Yeah. It just feels and like... Think... The, the, it feels like... <clears throat> And the books are a really zoomed out part of the yeah. view of the world. Mm-hmm. The movies are more zoomed in, and that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I, I think, I guess it's tough. It's tough to imagine like maybe the films have had too much of an influence on like how people imagine stuff in the world, and maybe it limits the imagination of kids like reading the books if they know what the films looked like. And that's a shame. But I think we agree that yeah, there are things that you gonna have to change or cut out or alter. I mean, like I mean, Harry's eyes aren't green like mad in the so movies many people, <laughs> but it's not it's but not they tried it so, like they tried yeah. to have him with contacts they, yeah, like the last scene of Philosopher's Stone is the first one they ever filmed and if yeah. you watch it very carefully they filmed it with Harry in contacts and oh, okay. and if you watch very carefully yeah. Hermione's wearing book teeth like they've oh, got really? she, like wow. Emma Watson okay, yeah. has fake teeth on because mm. they're trying to make her ugly but I never noticed that before she only yeah. says like two lines in that scene yeah. if you watch her mouth looks her teeth look so weird that's interesting but stuff like that is like they try so hard to keep it keep it close like it changes the integral sort of storytelling and yeah. the story. yeah, there's totally. no point yeah. is there yeah. I can live with Harry having blue eyes yeah. I can live with it <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, yeah. J.K. Rowling said when they they asked her about the eyes thing, yeah. and yeah. she was just like, "I don't really care what color his eyes are, as yeah. long as whoever you cast as Lily has the same color eyes." Yeah, and that oh, makes sense. Enough. Yeah, that's fine. It's like that's yeah. all. It that's the only matter. reason his yeah. eyes mattered. Like yeah. that was the only. It doesn't thing. matter to me. Yeah, and I think like it, it is interesting that the that series in general took such a dark turn after the very not cutesy but you know like opt kind of optimistic and childlike thing of Christopher Columbus's thing doesn't devalue them at all because there's so much wonder and magic to it. Um, I was talking to a friend about this recently. Like he would say that that the acting was always like the really big drawback for him where he just thought like he wasn't that great no, in general yeah. what, oh and th- there are some really so poor in Harry bits Potter the sets yeah. are brilliant the writing's really good the CGI the costumes, is really quite uh, costume well, CGI well. world building all brilliant direction really good the acting yeah the, the first movie you have three kids who are like 10 yeah. who've had no acting training in their whole lives yeah. and are now leads in a massive film yeah, yeah. like it's there are some lines in those early films that like they're just dire they yeah, say things yeah. and you're like Oh. <laughs> please no I don't please, want this anymore please try yeah. harder yeah. Yeah. yeah that's funny I mean like but it is a, yeah you, you can forgive it you but can. it is a drawback yeah. Yeah. I mean I think I mean I remember seeing an interview with Daniel Radcliffe like a while ago about how he was really disappointed with himself in his performance of Half of the Prince I think it was that, there's he, one that he says he won't watch there's one that he I mean, says he won't yeah, watch it's too cringe I'm not sure which one it is but like he said with that it's actually really interesting because he's I think he's quite a humble guy now and like he was talking about how he really wants to kind of you know avoid this kind of thing where he's like he is Harry Potter and there's you, not, yeah, nothing else about him absolutely and like he has said like in Half of the Prince he got so complacent with the character he knew he was Harry Potter like you know, no one was going to replace him or anything. And he yeah. kind of did what he wanted. Like, he, he wasn't, you know, a sport brat, as it were. I but think like, I've seen this interview, yeah. All the same, he I, I, I think it's interesting that he feels bad about that. And he does, I think he steps it up in, in Deathly Hallows. Like he, he, he yeah, I think job. all of their performances in Deathly Hallows are really good. But there is, like, an awkward middle point. I say middle point, start point. Where the first few movies, at least, and then with Harry and yeah. Prince, definitely. Yeah. Their performances feel so... 
like 2D. Yeah. They just yeah. don't, there's no yeah, yeah. dimension at all. But they are children who with no acting background, yeah. Yeah. so yeah. I don't really blame them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, going back to the film we saw this week, Fantastic Beasts, like, I thought about this last night. Was there a couple smooching in the corner? Because I fully thought for, like, about half the film I could hear people, like, giggling and, like, being a bit silly. What, j- while we were watching, while watching the film? Yeah, in the cinema. I yeah. didn't notice how it was like, grossed by J.K. Rowling's I was, Wizarding World. Of so. course, yeah, Wizarding World. That's interesting to me, because, like, at the beginning of... I'm not sure if it happened in the first... It Fantastic didn't, Beasts, I know what you're and, talking like, about. And, like, he has the Wizarding World, like, logo, and obviously that's, like, that's now like the one with his logo, and then it's the Wizarding World. Yeah, yeah, it's got, like, a Wikipedia page and everything now. Yeah, but I think... Yeah, the, the like I said earlier about about this new film, um, it's difficult to tell if it's gonna step out of the shadow of Harry Potter, like it's part of the franchise. But I, like I like the first film so much. Like, and this this is the sad thing is that yeah. the, the first film felt very separate from Harry Potter. I think. Yeah, yeah, and the, you just like set up really well and just does the a really first, good job. The first yeah. film was like the story of mm-hmm. Newt Scamander writing the Fantastic Beast book, mm-hmm. which was a nice prequel story. Mm-hmm. Problem is in the second one, Newt's not writing a book anymore and characters like Dumbledore and the Little Strangers are in and it. And kind of in it, yeah. So it yeah. feels much more like, okay, wait, is this a Harry Potter movie now? Like, yeah. It's not about Newt anymore. And there's always the exploration that J.K. Rowling has like, you know, tried to implant this. I don't mind this at all, obviously, but like, um, I think Dumbledore's meant to be gay now. And like, I'm not sure if he like, he didn't have to be in the book oh, like, there was an don't get me started on this yeah. like the, the problem is like so J.K. Rowling has explicitly said and yeah. says more than once that, J- that Dumbledore just is gay yeah. and more importantly I don't, there's no there's no expression of whether or not it was a mutual relationship but he was in love with Grindelwald, with Grindelwald yeah. Yeah. which is fine and obviously and that's like, shown in the film yeah, yeah but like my problem is it's not in the original series so it doesn't count as representation it's the only representation if you can see it on a page or on a screen it's not the same subtext isn't representation and in this movie, the same applies, where the gayest thing they do is hold hands, yeah. and I refuse to lock hands. In yeah. this day and age, I will not accept two men <laughs> holding hands as an exploration of someone's sexuality. Yeah. Like, there's that first scene with Jacob and Queenie where they're like kissing, and he's like nibbling her neck, and I'm like, so straight people can do that? Where's Dumbledore's? Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it was. I don't know if you agree with this. I think it's so interesting. This insanely weird undertone in the first film. I don't know if I'm the only one saying this. Colin Farrell's character as Grindelwald, like the kind of younger version of him, yep. like kind of hiding. Um, with credence they have these like very strange embraces in the first film and like it, it's more about the friendship and like he, he's well, offering like a I, person no no it's creepy i think it's a very strange oh, sexual yeah. undertone to no, the scenes think so, i yeah. think so too well i think grindelwald has that sort of undertone with a lot of people he's trying to manipulate because yeah. like a lot of you understand this more in the second one as well like mm-hmm. grindelwald will do anything and everything yeah like the i won't spoil it there are no spoilers but that yeah. one character who turns to grindelwald's side in the yeah. second one yeah is all because his manipulation is so good. Yeah. So yeah. with the Credence sort of creepy Colin, like his like, uh, uh, what's his name? Graves. Graves' yeah. his creepy hugs and like embraces of Credence feel yeah. quite persuasive. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah. is... Uh, That's very true. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, we're going to have to wrap up quite soon now, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Um, I just realised I've got a cheat right now. I've just been texted about it from Megan. And I'm, just oh, like, I'm recording help. So oh, I have to get out of here quite soon. It's, it's okay. It's we chill. love that. But I think, yeah. I Hermione mean, would use a time turner for that we, problem, I'm just saying. <laughs> we could talk about Harry Potter, I think, all day. I think Aaron I is much more, of a, much more Potter, of a like, big fan. I mean, like we ha- we can't see your tattoo, but we can always... Um, I do have it. a Harry Potter tattoo. Yeah, yeah. it's good stuff. It's kind of embarrassing for me. Definitely had it. I spent it's all of Freshers Week people asking me if it was real or not. And I was like, yeah, it was really sad. my friend. Yeah. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I uh, hope you had a good time listening to us ramble about Harry Potter. I know it was a bit less about like films this time than Much last more time, about a general. Yeah, yeah, general vibe discussion. Of Harry Potter, but I think yeah. it's always an interesting chat to see like um, you know relations to books and films and seeing how that can work and working out if spin-offs can ever really um, step out of the shadow of the the, of the main series. Of the yeah. Um, but I enjoyed the new. 
Panache Beasts, I think it's been slated online far too much. It is complicated, it's confusing, but it's fun. It's fun, yeah, it exactly. Is. And it's I would worth... recommend, I recommend the first film a lot. I recommend it's the video as well. It's worth the mental effort you're going to put into yeah. trying to pick it. And Absolutely. it will just make you want to see the next one more. Yeah, And like, totally. that's the point. There's three more movies. There's three more movies. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah, I'm waiting all in anticipation. beauty to see. Yeah. But anyway, Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're very I'm welcome. so grateful that you um, I really need Mike to get healthy. Uh, uh, I... His recovery is more important to me than recording this show, I suppose, which is, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's a dilemma in itself. But I'm oh, yeah. very, very grateful for Aaron to coming, uh, for coming along to the show so we can chat about Harry Potter because he's a true You expert. said to me, shall we go watch Crimes of Grindelwald again? Do you want to go talk about our podcast? And I was like, that sounds like two things that are very easy for me. Uh, so yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but anyway, Aaron, big love. Thank really you. good to big see you in the studio. Right you, Tom. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. And goodbye.